Staging Sound, a podcast reflecting on theatre music, sound design, sonic practices and experiences. Welcome to another episode of uh, Staging Sound. Today's guest is David Rimsky-Korsakov, uh, and I'm very glad he's here because he's a very, very busy theater musician and composer. Uh, he works uh, all across the, not the globe, but the country, certainly uh, the German theater landscape. He's been working for a long time now in, in, the, in the business, as we might call it, amongst others with directors like Christoph Mehler, who's just had a, had a premiere um, with uh, Tennessee Williams production in Saarbrücken with, uh, but also with Laura Lindenbaum and Bettina Bonnier and certainly a few others, but I mean, those, those are sort of some of the names that keep returning. He's also associated or has, has sort of collaborated or worked with and on the Viennese action artist Hermann Nitsch, uh, who certainly in the German-speaking world have lasting impressions of his productions, uh, which were quite extraordinary. And um, David was instrumental in in the musical direction team for a six-day performance uh, post posthumously for Hermann Nitsch um, in 2022. He's also, beyond his work in the theatre, he's also working on productions and chamber concerts. He did a musical film called Kurutadori, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, The Symphony of the Blackbird, uh, which was invited to a, a big film festival in Berlin. Uh, two years ago, and he was also, and I'm particularly envious of this part. Um, he was a, a resident composer in Iceland, in the in the in the West Fjords, working on a spectral composition uh, in in this beautiful part of the world. I just wanted to start, like I pretty much always start when I ask theatre musicians about their. Uh, their background and their trade is, is is kind of what what their journey was because uh, as we know in, in in this country in Germany there is no no particularly prescribed or no particularly routine journey into becoming a theater musician uh, there's no definitive course you can study and so forth so it's always a, going to be a bit of a personal and idiosyncratic journey uh, and David what was your journey into into theater music yeah, hi, everybody. First of all, thank you for the invitation and thank you for this illustrious introduction. Theater music is quite a special of a discipline and um, how I got there is oftentimes the question of the chicken or the egg. The discipline of a theater musician is such a merger between uh, passion or love for theater on the one hand and passion or love for making music or producing contemporary sound art. I was... Back when I was a teenager in a couple of bands and stuff, which is a hobby that I most likely share with most of, uh, of the colleagues, that I was very, very early in my teenager years trying to produce music in a group and then further developed um, an interest of making more abstract features of sound in terms of soundscapes or droning experimental DJ sets or so in smaller local clubs in southern Germany. And never thought of it as a way to make a living because ever since you start a band, there is like thousands of people approaching you. Like everyone who is listening to your music or interacting with what you do as a band is telling you in the second sentence, like, are you trying to make a living out of this? It's not going to happen because the music business is blah, 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 blah. So you get demotivated right from the get-go. So it was never upon my horizon that this is a chance to, 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 yeah, to make money 
or to have a career in. The perception of theater in the, in the, in the, in Germany at least is a little bit different because you absolutely see it as a career path. Um, the question is just like, how do you want to be a part of it? Because it is stately or governmentally funded, which is, uh, as far as I know, kind of unique all over the globe. So, um, it is considered as a career path. The question is, what what are you trying to do and i discovered my passion for theater when i actually was doing an internship there after i did civil service i had a couple of months to spare before my before university started like after school that was and i i did an internship there for six weeks in the local theater in my in my little hometown in southern germany And then immediately when I walked into the door on the first rehearsal, I knew that this was a, quite an interesting hemisphere that I want to be a part of at some point in the future. Just didn't exactly knew how. So I tried to become a director and study German literature. And after a couple of years in university, I, I started to realize that my passion for music can also be combined with a passion for art or contemporary art forms. And therefore, slowly but surely, when I was a director's assistant after university, I recognized, okay, um, teams of directors can have multiple facets of contemporary art forms, like in dance, like in costume design, like in stage design, and also in music. Like there is a space in the contemporary theater world that is only for sound designers and musicians and when i realized that and it took a couple of years in uni or um, in the theater world working already there i realized okay this is this, i can combine these two things great and and how did you get your first opportunities to to actually do uh, a sound design or a theater music for a production Because a lot of people tell me it's it's been sort of a coincidence, or they slipped into it, or it was just a yeah. It actually was it actually was a lucky coincidence. I was um, since I was a director's assistant, I um, I always decided on assisting the directors that I thought of being the cooler directors more thoroughly. I tried to get particularly close to for they just admiration or just trying to learn more from them with the with the clear wish of being a director still and Christoph Mela was a director that back then was quite let's just say he had a quite irregular portfolio in terms of since he was so new onto the scene and he was so hyped that a lot of theaters would give him very, very big productions and some theaters would give him like smaller productions since he was just a uh, developing talent. There was a production he did in Nuremberg, which was relatively small because it was a super experimental yeah, experiment of um, contemporary drama. And the, the production budget was very, very small and he couldn't, he couldn't, basically bring his usual team he had a professional sound um, designer from from berlin and he couldn't bring him so being his assistant i approached him actually and i was okay this is something i do for a hobby sometimes i used to play in bands um you know trying to help the production i could bring stuff to the rehearsal that we can just have a listen and to and um, see whether they bring any value to the production just to play from 
from from the computer or from the sound system of the of the sound department of the theater just to try it out and he was immediately supportive he was like yes thank you you know i would just bring random cds from from my place because i have no idea how to approach a production like this music wise uh, be have at it you know it's a small production there's room for experiments so the next day i didn't just bring a couple of pieces i brought my whole equipment I brought my, I brought my synthesizers, I brought my samples, I brought my laptop ready to, you know, show off some of the stuff that I was working on. And it immediately worked or it immediately clicked between me, between the director, between the actors. And it worked to the degree where he said, do you want to be on stage with this? Do you want, this is so awesome what you do, not just playing in backing tracks or atmospheric tracks, but actually seeing you do this live on the rehearsal with, with the machines. Uh, I want to see this on stage. So the first opportunity was a, was a, was a composition or for an evening that I, that I did live on stage. And after the premiere, Christopher approached me and he was like, okay, I'm going to be back in Nuremberg in a, in, a, in a year. And if you're up for it, you can do the production there. It's a little bit bigger. It's George Orwell's 1984. And when I knew that, I had like five months or so prior to the production. And I was like, okay, I want to study this. I want to do this. This is what I always did. And uh, this is the perfect merger of, of my of the things that I love. And then I had five five months to prepare for the production, and then I went all in. Yeah, because that's a luxury you will never get again. <laughs> exactly, like a <laughs> chance on a state theater yeah. level uh, with a director like him. And um, after this coincidence, um, yeah, we have been working together ever since, and we are now at production count number forty or so. Oh, so okay, wow. we've been yeah, yeah. we did forty productions over the last seven years or so. Great. Among others. Tell me, because uh, one of the things we want to talk about today um, is, is a workshop that you've given uh, recently in Munich. Um, and we wanted to explore this notion of how do you teach or how do you learn theater music? Um, and I was just wondering if, so it seems like your, your work as a theater musician coincided with actually studying composition at Folkwang. And then also later, I think you did an MA in sound studies and sound art in, in Berlin. So this kind of ran parallel, and I wonder how how much cross fertilization, how much sort of how fruitful was that? Was were those two parallel tracks, or did you feel they are completely unconnected? I'm doing one thing when I'm in the theater, and then I'm learning another thing as a composer in 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 a, in a sort of uh, conservatoire in a very renowned conservatoire, one might add, uh, because not everyone outside of this country will know Folkwang, but it's one of the leading conservatoires and I wondered you know because I don't think as I said at the very beginning there are no proper courses and probably also no actual teachers or professors for theatre music uh, there are very very few exceptions um, Carolina Bigger who you may have come across I don't know she's actually professor of theatre music uh, as far as I know in Salzburg uh, as part of a directing and acting team but the, but as I said so it, it seems like it's two different worlds. How did you experience that? I mean, they're definitely connected. Um, but in terms of that, the, the academic leg of my career is just made it possible for me to understand more about me, about how I approach things. And 
um, thinking about conceptualization and with a group of like-minded people and also, and this is the third point, giving myself tools of vocabulary or tools of understanding on what I do um, when I'm working or when I'm in these productions. So I think especially the masters in at UDK in Berlin was mandatory or obligatory for teaching mm. or for at least for my teaching practices. Yeah. Um, I also think that the practice of actually composing or actually doing um, music for theater is also obligatory for it. But um, I mean, obviously when you work a lot, you develop a taste and then you develop You try to copy that. You try to repro reproduce it. You try to um, find a routine in these things. Things that work or things that you're impressed by in your own work, you try to um, bring those things back in, in different productions. So it becomes a habit and at some point it becomes a style or a handwriting. But then you're just operating off of instincts or at least I am do I'm doing that. So... The first sentence I said in class when I was, at, you know, with your students, teaching them or trying to talk with them about music for theater is before the academic sector, I would just always say, and I told the students this, sometimes when the actors are loud on stage, I turn the music up. Sometimes when the actors are low on stage in volume, I turn the music down. And sometimes I do the exact opposite. And this is the core of my compositional strategies, or this was the core of my compositional strategies before I dove into the academic sector of UDK, of my master's more, because it was just instincts. Mm. But, uh, but uh, the university provided tools of understanding on why I do these things, tools of understanding what a conceptual approach actually can um, can do in terms of um, the result of the production and also handing me or just giving me tools of vocabulary to actually talk about what happens yeah, um, yeah. when I make decisions on the rehearsal. That's really interesting. And uh, I'm glad you brought it up because my next question would have been something along the lines of, do you have something like a personal sound or a style? And what I'm, what I'm hearing is, Well, not only that, but also you've got a personal process. You've got certain steps you take. Um, because, I mean, by now you've been working with quite different uh, directors and I'm sure they have different functions or different things in mind for the music and, and have different uh, directing styles as well and probably different ways of working. So how do you negotiate sort of what you... Uh, have as as you called it your personal signature handschrift you know style yeah. and and to what degree do you then say ah now this production is uh, is with Bettina Bonnier and she always likes this and therefore I'm going yeah. to do that is that about selection of instruments is it about uh yeah sort of the compositional formats or how, could you could you give examples yeah. of how that translates into actual pieces um to be honest I mean, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but I have, I have never been the best of fulfilling a certain concept in terms of complete changes of style that are needed to 
to assist a certain production. I have always tried to maintain what it is that I am musically or mm. composition-wise. So therefore, I always try to be hired by people that want to have the stuff that I do in their productions mm. rather than being a dude that can reproduce or remix a certain kind of sound aesthetic that the director chooses. Mm. And I always try to be more like a proactive, a proactive composer that um, puts out what he, what he's interested in first. And in this, in this passion or in this notion gets hired other than, okay, um, this composer, David is very flexible. I just hire him and then he can rebuild yeah. my needs of having a David Bowie-esque soundtrack in this production and he can re rebuild that style super, yeah. super well. I suck at this <laughs> and um, therefore it was always important for me to make it clear that if someone hires me, they kind of hire my style. Yeah. I am a big fan of, of, of post-war classical or orchestral music. I have always been a heavy follower of new music. I have always been a fan of um, experimental music of the of the late 90s or like in a collaboration of a very cold and dark digital noise. And this kind of derives from me being growing up in a very, you know, the environment that I grew up with in southern Germany is heavily consists of of nature hmm. you know we have very dense foresty landscapes that i spend a lot of time in therefore i have a natural affinity towards wooden instruments towards you know string instruments since i was a bass and a guitar player for so long and on the other hand since i very quickly moved to an urban environment of nuremberg essen berlin being associated with like electronic music and club culture. So I always try to merge like super organic wooden instruments with, with cold digital noise, erupting trauma of uh, urban declamations. <laughs> Being in a band, like there was this notion in the in the in the in the two thousand and tens or a little bit earlier when we started making music, that you should you should be able to recognize the band after listening to their song. Like after five seconds, you should yeah. be able to tell, okay, this is a muse song, or like this is a this is a this is a Queen song, or this is a 
um, a clash song. You should, you should be able to notice this just by their sound. So this was always the credo that we were, we were working on there as a band. And I think this has still transported into my career. I try to as quickly as possibly in this, in a theater, in a, in a production, um, make it clear that this is a production made by me and, <laughs> and, and I am not scaring away of reusing music, reusing mm -hmm. some of my all time classics, mm -hmm. um, in different productions with different directors. It's a citation of your own style that you did before in terms of light, in terms of um, imagery, in, in terms of music. And people would immediately know, okay, um, mm. this must be a Christoph Mehler, David Rimsky-Korsakov, Jennifer Hör production because the lighting is that way. And now I can now I can compare these works that I saw from them and then I can criticize or give good feedback or whatever. So it's brand building as well. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it reminds me of the, the the wonderful line that Robert Wilson once said after people have sort of said, well, isn't your theatre always a bit the same? You know, you're always doing the same. And then he said, uh, well, who, whoever talked to Mozart and told him, well, your music always t sounds like Mozart, you know. Yeah. <laughs> of course it yeah. does, you know. <laughs> and, and So there is a yeah. certain, certain sense in that. Um, exactly. I do want to move, uh, I do want to move us on a little bit to talk about that workshop because I'm, I'm really interested. This is an aspect we haven't talked to, uh, in the podcast about, which is really about how, you know, how can theater music be taught? Can it be taught? And, and if so, um, what what are some of the the core ideas, but also what are some of the the core experiments or core sort of uh, exercises one one might do? Now, maybe just to to um, give our listeners a sense of what this was, because it sounds like you you gave like a two year course here. This was a three day, <laughs> essentially it was one full day and two half days, so it was really a short intervention almost. Um, but I think, and it was part of our sort of theatre sound project. Uh, and and I do want to sort of mention at this point. Uh, I want to thank the the Center for Advanced Studies and the theater department of the LMU Munich, and also the Theater Academy, uh, Theater Academy August Everding, who all sort of together made this workshop possible and facilitated it. We we were able to use the, uh, the 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 venue of the Theater Academy for it. So they 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 co-organized this event. But essentially, we wanted to. Besides all the academic discussions we were having uh, in terms of the, the the project and the book and the the, the conference which has recently uh, happened, which will also be on this podcast in in, in some form in the in the near future, um, we wanted to have something student facing, something where it's about pedagogy, where it's about sort of uh, um, getting getting students excited about theater music because, as I said, they they don't have many opportunities to to do that so, uh, those things. Maybe can I ask you, sort of, what, what were some of the 
the, the main challenges in designing this workshop because you clearly are uh, given it a lot of thought beforehand how how to how to conceptualize it how to structure it um and and yeah maybe that's the first question and then obviously i'll ask you how it went <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah sure um I mean, our program, our, my master's program that I underwent was, was structured in, in three parts, which was uh, a theoretical part, a listening part, and an, and an active, a, a practical part. And I thought this was a quite, quite good structure because it was, it was, it is very simple and it is so vague in its definition that everything could be a part of, of everything basically. And they're interconnected. Since I knew that we only have like three days, um, I knew that, you know, I can just, we can just like make a little, a little, a little impression on, on what, on what music for theater is about. And I tried to maximize the fun mm -hmm. in, in what we do because I really wanted it to be a dialogue. Um, I wanted it to be, an education. I wanted to tell the students what, what I do, what this is that I love so much, what this is that a lot of people in this country like work so hard for, or, um, like sacrifice so much for as well, because it's a lifestyle that is, you know, we're on tour basically the whole time. And, um, the discipline is so young that we are still, that we're still able to define it and therefore we have this almost like ethical privilege of like communicating the discipline. I try to keep the theoretical part, speaking of the three parts that are, that my masters was structured as, as short as possible, not considering it, it as a theoretical or like a technical aspect, but more like a conceptual aspect mm -hmm. and then go to the listening and practice exercises that are you know obviously interconnected um as soon as possible hmm. but you did you did talk about something like differentiating f different functions of theater music and and you ha i remember you had this wonderful whiteboard and you'd clearly brainstorm together where you know how do we call uh, uh different ways in which music interacts with the scene in which it sort of appears um and that was quite a, a, a quite an interesting list that you came up with there for your own practice is that something i think it's important to think about this but i wonder how much of it is for you a creative impulse to say oh now i'm going to write a music which is going to be a commentary or which is going to be an atmosphere or which is going to be uh what was the, the one was called petze which is like sort of a uh, what is what is <laughs> a snitch in english as a, a, a snitch, snitch. yes yeah, snitch, snitch i think uh, so, yeah. so so the music snitches on the character and, and tells the audience something that you know maybe the character doesn't want us to know or something like that i love that i love that idea is that something you you think and then you write the music or is it or because you described that you are quite instinctive also in your approach you write the music and then you realize oh i've just used the music to snitch <laughs> or is yeah, it both exactly. ways no 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 it is it is clearly the second part i okay. would always always yeah, start yeah. first um um instinctively and i would always you know i'm very bad at composing uh, to text very bad you know i would I, I think also it's kind of boring so i would never i would never read a particular scene a thousand times and be like okay this is the dramaturgically turning point of the scene i think it needs a musical change there but i would always i would always come to the rehearsals with a, a couple yeah oftentimes a couple of, yeah maybe even a couple of hundreds um, small loops or fragments or sounds and whatever and then just 
live off of the offers of the of the of the actors right and um and try to get in a dialogue um with just instinctive in, instinctive stuff but um those terms of you know what you mentioned the snitch or that music is able to form context in on mm -hmm. the stage or can tell us about the notion of time mm -hmm. certain events that are not as displayable on on stage or the location or be supportive for a character or go against the words of a character or whatever all these different functions um they will be spoken of after the scene or after the rehearsal by you know the team by the director by by the dramaturgist or so we would always sit together afterwards and speak about you know what was it that we did how was listening to it and how what was it doing with us you know it is more useful to know what you just did than just doing it instinctively all over again because you have to talk about it you have to argue for it yeah you have to make a rhetorical point for it afterwards in with talking about you know with all these intellectual people that are part of a theater production so mm. i thought um it would be interesting for um to some degree to tell the students mm. beforehand that music on stage is not always you know oh this is a fast scene it needs a fast beat or this is a sad scene okay get the violins out <laughs> but that music has uh, the whole rainbow of of functions of there's a plethora of 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 different um, impacts that music can have on a scene and um that there is a rich ocean to pick from when approaching a scene and even you even though you do it afterwards um just to be able to identify it when you mm. see it in a different theater production or in movies or in whatever you'll be able to reproduce it or to be smart about these things much more quickly if you know it beforehand so one of the things you did is obviously get the students doing stuff you know uh, actually improvising or composing or uh, you gave them homework even overnight and and they have to sort of produce stuff um, and if I if I got that correctly it was also that several students did music for the same pre-recorded scene so obviously we didn't have a theater with actors and a director so we didn't have the, the the natural environment that you would normally work in but you have to, to work with a pre-recorded scene which is sort of simply a uh, a pragmatic compromise but that what it made possible is to to talk to compare you know to have very different approaches yeah someone working with just a violin and someone else you know using ableton live and a full set of electronic tools and and gadgets um i i i always find that very very um helpful to to kind of get into those kind of discussions because that's not something you usually do you you don't usually come up with three different versions and present them to the director and say let's let's compare you know <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> yeah but that did that work as well as as i think it did it it, it seemed from yeah. the from the final presentation that it did but um yeah well i just um i, I quickly want to talk about the homework that we did yeah before mm -hmm. that like the, the the homework from day one to day two, which was basically, I mean, it, this was, this, you know, the surprise hit that we were deciding on, you know, I was handing out artworks of different kinds. So there were small poems, there was a theater, a small one page or half a page of, theater, of a theater scene. Hmm. There was uh, contemporary images or photographies or 
um, uh, paintings and the students were to, to choose a song that already existed or a piece that already existed just via, you know, the streaming services or, or just online or just bring it and use it as a soundtrack for the, you know, respective artwork. And this was actually a surprise hit and we had a lot of fun doing that because a lot of the students, you, you know, some of the students were already able to produce music in terms of playing an instrument or being able to produce it via a digital audio workstation or so. But some of them weren't, you know, some of them were just interested in the topic. And lowering the, the you know, the entering threshold of, of such a, you know, high art in parentheses discipline is something that turned out, you know, really successful because everyone was, was just having fun mm. looking for pieces already exist in pieces and there was you know no prerequisite that you needed to do that so everyone was able to do it and everyone was able to make music for you know not for theater but for these little art pieces that we handed out and therefore everyone felt um everyone felt that that he could do it like from a curative standpoint point of view mm. but also like from you know what the main task of it is is not executing it with a technology or with proficiency on an instrument is just having a good idea mm. having a good idea is the most is the core of from what i um, at least what i would say for um, composing for a scene or for for material and therefore we you know we took a lot of the nervousness of the final presentation away in which we and you already described it had um, some live performances and some pre-recorded performances to the same scene or to we had like two or three scenes that people could choose from and then we compared different aspects of of sound for it mm. and um, i think it was the perfect um, preparation for for the final day yeah i asked the students about some responses and two of them were kind enough to send to send me some responses and I'm just going to find them and I'm going to play you some reactions and then maybe you can comment yeah. on those because I think that might be interesting. Yeah. Well, let's hear what uh, Seal Yu had to say about yeah. the thing. In my past theater experiences and understanding, music is taking a prominent role mostly in opera or dance theater. In so-called classical theater, and in particular the German theater stage, I pay attention to the use and staging of music as well. In general, and based on my experiences in the German theater stage, music is playing mostly an accompanying role, creating a certain kind of mood, or changes a mood, or introduces a new level of storytelling. At the beginning of the workshop, I was open-minded and very curious what content I will face to during the three days. I was really interested and looking forward to the exercises David has prepared, in particular choosing a piece of music to a poem or a picture. I also felt a little pressure towards the final presentation during which we shall compose music to a theatre scene. But back to the beginning of the workshop. It was great to analyze together with the other participants the many different functions of music in the course of theater staging. The most remarkable aspect I remember is the so-called commentary function of music, where music intends to explain or tell some unspoken or not visible thoughts of the stage protagonists. 
Additionally, David encouraged us also to think wild, like in the tradition of Claude Lévi-Strauss' bricolage. This is also the way David is working where he showed us the different stages of production from the beginning to conceptualization until the final rehearsals and premiere. I personally take much pleasure in this way of creative thinking, the bricolage, to put different thoughts interdisciplinary together and creating something new. The bricolage way of thinking is definitely one of the key points I take from this workshop. I can also say that I enjoyed very much the different practical exercises, such like the listening and reacting games we play together in our group. It is really remarkable by how many different sounds we are surrounded all the time. After this exercise, it felt very unusual for me to go to the subway again without paying attention to the many different sound aspects. Now, and as my personal conclusion, I come to our final presentation and exercise of the workshop. David showed us three different scenes from past theater stages, mostly without any kind of music. Our job was to create music for one of the scenes. I choose Emilia Galotti, staged by Andrea Bred, and the final scene of Emilia's death. David showed us the scene at the end of our second workshop day, and to be honest, my first impression of the scene was not very comfortable. I do not know this production before, And by just seeing a short scenery, it felt very challenging to create music for this short scene without any further impression of the rest of the production. I watched it over and over again and tried to get some ideas. My approach was to keep it simple and not overload the already very emotional and intense atmosphere. In the night and the next morning, I watched part of the whole Emilia Galotti production in order to somehow try to get into the production, be like a part of it. After this procedure of repeated watching, I had some ideas I want to try with my violin. The process and the result of my experiment was very surprising in many different positive ways. First, and as a musician myself, this was a complete new way of music making. To play together with actors is a little different, but also so much fun. I had to react to the voices and the tempi, similar like playing together in a chamber ensemble. Here, it was not music to which I had to react to, but language and human bodies. The change of the dramaturgy and emotion require also a reflection and reaction in my music accompany. I started on the DG, and just keep the tone. After a while, and because the scenery has changed more intensely, I added a half tone. Then I changed the rhythm and the volume. Finally, and at the climax, the death of Amelia by her father, I stopped playing music to let the protagonists act for themselves only in this very intimate moment. Only shortly after, I played a melodic praise to set a different musical statement. Another important aspect for me during this exercise I like to emphasize is the following. 
As I told before, I felt not very comfortable after watching the scenery. But later and after the process of music making, I felt so much close to the production and I felt I could somehow interpret and understand the scenery for me. It brings me so much closer to the actors and it felt like I was also a part of the production. Anyway, by introducing music to the scenery, I discovered a new way of music making and also a new way of interpreting wow. theater. Yeah, I mean, you can't deny it. It sucks you in. You just, you just uh, becoming a part of it. It's true. I I really like his description of how he becomes part of a chamber ensemble. Yeah, you know? and then it's just not an oboe and a cembalo, yeah. but it's sort of uh, a stage design and a, and and two yeah. actors and the text, and it becomes this. This sort of dialogue, yeah. I admired the simplicity because usually what, what everyone does is go completely over the top and, you know, try to sort of get in 15 ideas and then so forth. And uh, see, really uh, stuck with one very, very simple but very effective idea of really playing with one tone and then adding another and then adding a bit of a different rhythmic structure really reduced uh, very minimal no, I just I wanted to that. say that it's, it's almost sad because you know you felt, felt so interconnected with the actors on the screen but it was you know it was just a DVD so yeah. it's almost sad that you know we weren't able to work with real actors so the next level for him um, would be like you know actually making music to a to, to real production with real people on stage and yeah. you could only you know after hearing this you could only imagine how much influence it would have on him you know yeah very happy to hear and yeah exactly his he he built a cluster like a like a slow rising crescendo and it was adding a lot of suspense to the scene and a lot of you know dramaturgy as well just by just by changing very small parameters um, he was able to find a narrative and a structure and a clear dramaturgy. And yeah, this is, this is the stuff that I also like and this, that I also try like simple, clear and, um, helpful in assisting. Yeah. Great. Well, let's hear Ophelia as well, who sent a few clips. So she's done it differently. She's actually responded. Uh, I gave them a, a few questions as prompts and she responded to each one of them with a very short statement. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read you the question as well. Otherwise it, it might be slightly out of uh, context. Sure. So I asked the students, can you describe how you approached theater music in inverted commas for this workshop? And this is what Ophelia said. I think we approach theatre music in this workshop in a very associative and instinctive way. With the help of an exercise, we got our imagination going. In this exercise, you take a headline from a daily newspaper and think of a story. We did this with about three headlines and we did not each come up with a complete story, but rather spun out different ideas in a widely different way and adopted them. That was very helpful because the images that came up in your own head could develop farther and farther through the ideas of the other participants and you could benefit from the creative collective. Great. Uh, I then asked her uh, or them, how did you approach your compositional tasks? We discussed a possible way of proceeding. For the most part, I stuck to the recipe. 
For example, we had already watched the scene together, which we would then set to music and then came up with the most striking turning points and most impressive visual moments. After that, I watched the scene at least 20 times or more, made more and more notes and had ideas as well as discarded them. After that, I went straight to making and just tinkered and tried out what worked, how it worked or what I should perhaps better leave out. When the root concept was ready, I took care of the fine details, all the mixing and some effects that also had a lot of influence. Klagen. Nichts als Klagen. Bittschriften. Nichts als Bittschriften. Die traurigen Geschäfte. Und man beneidet uns noch. Das glaube ich. Wenn wir allen helfen könnten, dann wären wir zu beneiden. Aber eine Emilia Bruneschi, nicht Galotti, nicht Emilia Galotti. Was will sie, diese Emilia Bruneschi? All in all, I'm very happy how it turned out and the way I handled it. If it was a real job, I would go over and over it again, because you always want to correct something new after a few days, and also in a different room with different sound systems. The compositional intention come into play differently. Yeah, that's great, because I think uh, it touches on a really interesting number of points, one of which is that you see the scene so often, you know, and it becomes really you know to have this yeah when, when do you see a theater scene 20 times as a normal audience member you don't you know uh but as a theater musician very easily because uh, yeah. you're usually sitting there in the rehearsal room and you see it over and over and over and yeah that changes the relationship with it yeah yeah no that's that's the reason why you're so dependent on people coming in towards the latter half of the production and 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 watching what you did because you just become blind you know after mm. seeing it so many times, you rely on people seeing it for the first time and uh, des describe their impressions and um, what the music or what the scene or whatever did to them. Yeah, very important. Great. Uh, I, I also asked her um, what the relationship of a more instinctive and more improvisational attempts uh, with more conceptual and premeditated approaches were. So Since I usually work very or almost exclusively conceptually, I did not completely disregard structures and forms. However, I would say that the main strategy was more instinctive and improvisational. We were a group with a very good background in formal theory. And I think that firstly, the free finding did us a lot of good and secondly, it complemented the other visual very well. What were some of the key insights that you have taken home? The most important and exciting realization for me was that Theater music, unlike opera music, cannot be written in advance. I now see the whole apparatus in the theater as an orchestra, and all the musicians play together. This also causes interactions. 
It is not possible to imagine something and just go through with it and not pay attention to how it works in the space or what the actresses do with it. For me, the composer of the theater music and the person who is responsible for the sound and the performance is an equal player and has to be as flexible as the others on stage. Great. And a final clip, which is about her, whether her appreciation for theater music has changed through the workshop. My appreciation of the theater music has changed fundamentally. Before, I often took it for granted or considered it a nuisance. Now I know how complicated it can be to reconcile all concerns and wishes. At the same time, I have realized the power that can come from the auditory. I find the possibility of creating musical atmospheres, comments, localizations, and much more for countless pieces where the text is already written particularly appealing. In contrast to libretti, I don't have to pay attention to the singability of the text, but can simply stick to the already functioning canon and still create something new. And I think this is incredible genius. That's good. Wow. Incredible genius is always a good point to, 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 to land on. <laughs> is there any comments on those uh, impressions? Yeah, I mean, they're right. It is, it is a very, very beautiful art form. It's full of, it's very challenging. It is very unexplored and it, it can be very enriching and, and very fun. Yeah. And I mean, I want to thank them. They were really, really great. I mean, I was at the crit most critical moment is when I teach like in the first 10 minutes or so, because I would immediately confront them, as Ophelia said, like with a, with a very practical, very abstract, very dumb, almost like very silly uh, exercise. And it is always, always a hassle of, I'm always nervous, like thinking, are they willing to be silly with me? during the following three days or the following week or whatever? Or are they a little bit more held back or conservative or are trying to, I don't know, talk about semantics more or whatever? And and the students um, in our Music for Theatre workshop, they immediately went in and Ophelia was one of the first ones to actually offer silly ideas of and silly fantasies and silly images and we built upon that. So Music for Theatre is something that is um, very special and still young and can still be forged and formed by, you know, people that are into it and try to get something out of it. Well, thank you so much. That was really, really interesting uh, to give us a sense of what you, you were thinking uh, about and, and what you were sort of uh, aiming at. And, and it clearly has turned out uh, to be a, a really good workshop and, and a, a hopefully a first step rather than, uh, you know, a conclusion. But uh, I think we've uh, um, kindled some interest in, in theatre music and that's never a bad thing. Thank you so much. Dan. Yeah, thank you uh, as well. Thank you for the invitation. It was a pleasure. Recording stopped. Recording stopped. It's, it's, it's called the... It's called the